This is an encore program from the Savannah First Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more sermons and radio programs, visit our podcast, which can be found on our webpage at www.wyawradio.org. Sermons are broadcast live every Saturday starting at about 11.15 a.m. on 93.5 FM in Pooler, Savannah, Georgia. Today, Pastor Joseph Womack talks about the past, the pretend, the profound. The empty tomb is the most audacious, outrageous, unbelievable aspect of the Christ story. How could a man crucified and buried rise from the dead? Either Jesus was a lunatic, liar, or the Lord. The resurrection settles that question. Let's join in now. In Jerusalem that day The soldiers tried to clear the narrow street But the crowd pressed in to see The man condemned to die on Calvary He was bleeding from a beating There were stripes upon his back And he wore a throne of thorns upon his head And he bore with every step The scorn of those who cried out for his death Down the Via Dolorosa Called the way of suffering Like a lamb came the Messiah Christ the King But he chose to walk that road Out of his love for you and me Down the Via Dolorosa All the way to Calvary Por la Villa Dolorosa, triste bien Jerusalén, los soldados le abrían paso a Jesús. Mas la gente se acercaba para ver al que llevaba aquella cruz. Por la Villa Dolorosa, Es la vía del dolor Como deja vino Cristo Rey y Señor Y fue Él quien quiso ir Por su amor Por ti, por mí Por la vía dolorosa Al Calvario y a morir The blood that would cleanse The souls of all men Made its way through the heart Of Jerusalem 
suffering Like a lamb came the Messiah Christ the King But he chose to walk that road Out of his love for you and me Down the Via Dolorosa All the way to Calvary When I think of uh, Easter's when I was young, I wasn't raised in any sort of church or anything, but I do remember that my mom was a great cook, and baking was her specialty, and so she made every year a cake in the shape of a lamb. It was white, with white icing, and it was covered in coconut with jelly bean eyes. And strangely enough, I have a picture of it from when I was six years old. And one of the kids is going, Mommy and Daddy, what does black and white mean? It means he's old. <laughs> and you'll notice behind it, there's one large Easter basket. My mom didn't believe in having individual Easter baskets. She had that basket, which we had for over 20 years. And that was our family Easter basket. So I remember when I was six one year, we went to church, which was highly unusual because we never went to church. My mother was Jewish. My dad was a nothing. I'm glad my dad was alive today. He'd be, thank you, son, for calling me a nothing. Here's my parents on the day we went to church. Notice those curtains. Those are vintage 1963 curtains. I don't remember if somebody invited us to church, why we were going to church. All I know is that when I was six years old on Easter, we were going to church. Maybe my parents thought that once a year it was good to go to church like you go to the dentist. Like, you know, you go to the dentist twice a year, so you go to church on Easter and Christmas. There's probably a lot of people that live their lives like that. You go every now and then, it's a good thing, it's like an inoculation, and then you go home and you go back to your regular life. I remember that we went to church in 1963 when I was six years old, because I have a picture, strangely enough, of me, there you go, thank you, thank you very much. There's young Joey, wearing a new suit taken before we went to church, and notice I'm wearing a hat. For some of you old-timers... Guys used to wear hats a lot. In fact, it was President John F. Kennedy who was the first one who stopped wearing a hat. But before that, that's a fedora, by the way, young men. So we're going to start being hip. We're all going to start wearing hats. But that's me on the same Sunday that we went to church with my mom and dad and that same cake. Who took these pictures and how I still have them, I don't know. 
But that is 2181 Middlehurst Drive in Columbus, Ohio, where we lived till I was a couple months after that. And then we moved to the house I lived in for 20-some years. So every year we had that large Easter basket, not individual ones, but a family basket. And then the bottom, my mom would put that silly fake green grass, which I think you still can buy. And then she would fill the basket with marshmallow bunnies. And the kids call them peeps now. But back when I was a kid, we just called them marshmallow bunnies. These kids with their fancy, you know, peeps. We had chickies, we had chocolate eggs, we had jelly beans, we had white chocolate bunnies. And it was always exciting to take the rabbit, the chocolate rabbit, and bite off the ears to figure out if it was solid or if it was hollow. Can I get an amen? Anybody? See, look at that. Little chocolate church today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always liked the solid ones, but you knew the cheap ones at, at Easter were always hollow. You got the cheap stuff at Easter. And of course, we had an Easter egg hunt. My parents always did that. There's nothing like a memory of kids running around a yard looking for cholesterol-rich, room-temperature, hard-boiled colored eggs hidden out in the grass. What a way to start the day. I remember the upset stomach like it was yesterday. Easter and Halloween were the two times of the year when it was okay for a kid such as me to eat as much candy as they could consume. I never knew why we did it on Easter. I never knew why we did it on Halloween. I never knew why we did an Easter egg hunt. I never knew why there was a bunny. I never knew why there was marshmallow peeps. I never knew why I went to church on that one Sunday. No one ever talked about it. No one ever told me. And I didn't ask because there was a lot of free candy and I was afraid that if I had asked, somebody would change the whole story. My mom would say to my dad, you know, Jim, I think the kid's right. He's got too much candy. So like most of my growing up years, nobody said anything. We all just let it happen. Nobody talked about it. We all just went about our business. I knew to experience, to enjoy the experience, and to keep quiet. But I never knew why we did any of those things. And in a minute, we're going to talk about why we do those things. Please. 
dead now lives again my heart's beating beating inside my chest oh i'm coming alive with joy and destiny you've noticed that I have two lovely boxes up here that I've spared no expense for. I got them at the dollar store. I like to go to the dollar store and take something up to the register and go, how much is this? They love me when they see me come in there. These are identical boxes and in each one there is something that has to do with Easter. So I'll open this one, I think, first. Yes! Good for me. I have this little fellow, which I got at the dollar store also. It's a cute little bunny. He definitely has something, or maybe it's a she. He or she has something to do with Easter. You see this little guy all over, but where did he come from? What is the association of bunnies with Easter? 
If Easter is religious, I mean, I went to church when I was six years old on Easter. If Easter is religious, how does a rabbit get so much attention? And why do we call this holiday the resurrection of Christ? Why do we call it Easter? And why do we celebrate Easter on a different day every year? I mean, Christmas is always December 25. And Thanksgiving is always the last Thursday in November. And the 4th of July is always the 4th of July. But why is Easter always in such a wide variety of times? Well, at the risk of boring you, let me tell you a little bit about this holiday. Easter's beginnings can be traced back to a combination of cultures that existed before the time of Christ. In fact, the name Easter has as it has at its roots the word star. That's how you get the name Esther in the Bible. Beautiful name. Comes from the word for star. But also, many other cultures took this word and named a goddess, a fertility goddess, after this idea of a star. So you had Ishtar, you had Ashtarte, you had Oster. These were all the names of fertility goddesses. And they used to pray to her that the people and the lands would be fertile and would give birth and that there would be new life. And so they always had these celebrations of her, this Ishtar fertility goddess, in the spring on March 21, which is the spring equinox as everything sprung to life. And they honored the spring and praying for fertility for people and for crops and things like that by using rabbits who are very fertile, I've been told. I've never had a pet rabbit, but I've heard they're very fertile. And eggs, which represent new life. So they use the symbols in these spring celebrations, this, this celebration of life to goddesses to use rabbits and eggs to represent new life, fertility, growth. And in the beginning of the Christian church, the celebration of Christ's resurrection was based on the timing of the Passover. And do you realize that this year, the one we're celebrating right now, is the perfect lining up of the time when Christ was crucified. Christ, Passover started Friday, yesterday. Christ was crucified as the Passover started on a Friday, rested in the tomb on a Sunday, was resurrected on a, rested on a tomb on Sabbath, was resurrected on a Sunday. This is the same type of setup that it was. So the Passover generally coincided with this fertility goddesses Ishtar festival. And as pagan, i.e. non-religious people were brought into the Christian church, the two rituals the springtime ritual of fertility and the celebration of the resurrection of Christ were put together so that everybody would be happy. And in the end, compromise means that nobody's really particularly happy. So there was this crossed, cross-fertilization. The springtime fertility goddess and the resurrection of Christ. And in the end, the holiday became this mixed celebration of spring fertility, and Christ's resurrection, bearing the name of the pagan god, which was now spelled Easter. And in 325 A.D., I told you I ran the risk of boring you here. 
And in 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea, the church established that Easter would be the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the spring equinox. That is why it is always on a different day. But it is sometime between March 22 and April 25. Because it's the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the spring equinox, which is March 21. So it's never any earlier than March 21, and it's never any later than April 25. April 25. March 22, April 25. So this merger of sacred celebration with pagan tradition has survived for thousands of years. And never has it flourished more than in the good old United States of America, where it fits comfortably in with our views of diversity and plurality, and that everybody come on in and jump in, the water's fine, because as sacred and secular blend together, what it always seems to come down to is the lowest common denominator, which is spending money and eating, which are two of my favorite things to do. And if I can spend money on food, then I've just put them all together. Take me out to a restaurant, and I am a happy U.S. consumer. And somehow I was thinking about it, that everything in America is brought down to consumerism. We are spending money, we are buying things, and we are filling our stomachs. And so Easter has become another holiday where stores want to sell you stuff so that they can make money and you have another excuse to overeat. Can somebody say amen? Because I, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Invite me to your house at Easter, Christmas, or somewhere, and you'll see he's doing exactly like what he said. How do you think I know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. Little wonder, little surprise that millions of Americans grow up like I did, little Joey in the suit, associating Easter with egg hunts, eating chocolate bunnies, rather than a celebration of the resurrection of Christ. So our cute little friend here, the Easter bunny, he may appear harmless, and I'm not saying he's evil. Don't go home and say the preacher said Easter's evil. I'm telling you that he may appear harmless, nothing more than a little bit of springtime fluff. But in truth, if he and his chocolate friends distract and divert your attention from the centrality of the resurrection of Christ, then he is not so harmless after all, he will be as harmless as you allow him to be. So that is the pretend part of Easter. My faithful Father Enduring friend Your tender mercies Like a river With no end It overwhelms me Covers my sins 
Now in this box that I spared no expense on, I have the true meaning of the Christian Easter celebration. In this box is something that I guarantee you will change your life if you will receive it. But I must also warn you, once I show you what's in this box, you will realize how much it could impact your life, and your life will never be the same. If you take the contents of this box seriously, look at your shortcomings and your faults and your sins differently. Heaven will not seem so far away. And you will never take the Christian walk casually. Because that is what many of us do. We imagine being a Christian means going to church once a week, suffering through a sermon, then going home to the real world for the other six and a half days of the week. And I'll be honest with you, I have no greater challenge in my ministry than to know that 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 is what most of us do when we leave here. It burdens my heart to see a view of Christianity treated like Christianity is an app on your phone. You open it, and then you shut it. You only use it, you only open it when you need it. And the rest of the time it's just there. So if I open this box, I guarantee you it's going to change your life. And let's be honest. We cannot see Jesus with our eyes. And it's easy to doubt if He is real. It's easy to doubt if He makes a really, a real difference in your life. Or is it all just some sort of fairy tale made up to keep a lot of people, uh, anesthetized until another day? Is this just a way that some people have found to cope with the bitterness of life? But we cannot overlook the resurrection of Christ because without the resurrection, Christianity is nothing more than a bunch of rules and regulations and religion based on ancient writings of ancient dead men talking about another ancient dead man. A dead man who thought he was something and someone, but turned out that he was sadly mistaken and he ended up being just another nobody. Unless the resurrection happened. So in this box, I have the true meaning of the Easter celebration. Are you ready to see it? Somebody better say amen or... Are you ready? Thank you, sister. I see your flag, your son. I should have planned this and brought up a young person to help me. Come on up. You're young you got your whole life ahead of you if anything springs out of here. Are you ready to have your life changed? I forget your name. Ace. Ace, good name. You wearing any hardware, Ace? I guarantee you that if you move the lid to this box, it will change your life. Are you ready to have your life changed? Your dad is here. You have a seatbelt ready, Dad? All right, take off the lid. Show it. What'd you say? You got to show everybody. Show. It's empty. Now, why would you say that? What you called it? What did you catch on to? Because uh, you said that um, you can't 
We cannot see Christ with our eyes. Ace, ladies and gentlemen, you can have that box. Go back to your seat now, kid. Get out of here. How many of you called that? It's because you know I'm too cheap to buy something for two. He didn't even buy any chocolate. You see, the entire, thank you, Ace, the entire Christian faith is based on the resurrection. And if the resurrection is not true, if it did not actually happen, we might as well enjoy our little bunny friend here and eat a marshmallow chicky because that's all this Easter springtime celebration is good for. You see, the contents of that box there that I gave to Ace are for those who are ready to live a joy-filled life. It is for those who want to have an active, real, living faith and to be part of an end-time generation being remade daily in the renewed image of Christ. In that box, which Ace took back to his seat, is the real meaning of the Easter resurrection season. I don't care if it's called Easter. I don't care if we call it the holiday which shall be nameless. I don't care whatever you want to call it. It's about the resurrection of Christ. But I do know some people think Seventh-day Adventists do not believe in the resurrection because we are afraid to talk about it and we are afraid to deal with Sunday and the Easter celebration. We are so afraid of getting involved with the pagan rituals. We are so afraid to mention the resurrection. We are so afraid to celebrate any time this time of year that they wonder if we believe in it at all. And to that I say, have mercy. You see, the thing is, this is the one holiday when we know when it happened. It happened around the Passover. In fact, it happened over the Passover weekend, which is, as I mentioned, this weekend, even though the pa Passover changes dates as well. We know that it happened sometime in the spring. We know that it happened over Passover weekend. And we know that He rose on the first day of the week. The Bible tells us that He rose on the first day of the week. So there's nothing wrong with celebrating on a Sabbath that Christ rose on the first day of the week. What are we afraid of? This guy? He holds no power next to the resurrected Christ. He's got nothing. He's a nobody. That's for you, sister. Take that home. Give that to your kid. I love you. Now get out of here. See, I envision that going soaring. The old days in high school. Chris, let me tell you about the old days in high school. Where's Kent? Is Kent here today? When I used to kick... Oh, buddy. Whoo! Ten-yard punt. The lie, the pretend, the make-believe has no power when you understand the truth. It's when people don't know the truth that they start buying into the lie, or the make-believe, or the pretend. And that's when those things learn to have sway, or power, or influence on your life. But when you know the truth, you can stand next to the lie, and sometimes exist right next to it, because it doesn't matter, because you are not controlled by the lie, because you know the truth. And so you walk throughout the world with confidence in the power of Christ, because you know who you are. You are the blood-bought possession of Christ. 
And so the true meaning of the resurrection, the power of this Easter season, as it is called, is when they went to find Jesus in the grave, and they finished, they went to find him in the grave, and to finish burying him, they found that the grave was empty. The grave could not hold him. He had conquered the grave. I know what you're saying. Pastor, you haven't read Scripture yet. And I want to know, is it alright to read Scripture in church on Easter? So I'm going to ask, is it alright to read my Bible in church? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12-22 through 22 says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no res- resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. This is the way Paul talks in these convoluted sentences. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. So if you've lost a loved one, and you are waiting for the resurrection to claim them back to new life, you better hope that Jesus rose from the grave, because if He didn't, you're you're waiting in vain for your loved ones. For if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, that's Adam, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You see, the Christian faith is really about death and resurrection. It is about how God continues to reach into the graves that we dig for ourselves by our own doing, and He pulls us out, giving us new life in ways both dramatic and small. We create problems as we stray. The Holy Spirit's there to pull us back. And Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. And so it's the resurrected Christ who lives to make intercession for us. He offers to anyone who will water from which they will not thirst. He offers them freedom for those that will set us sin. He offers us peace that the world cannot give. He offers us forgiveness from sins. He offers us the fruits of the Spirit to live to change us from the inside out, to remake us, to renew us, to reconvert us into the people that He intends us to be. You see, it's the desire of the enemy to delude you and to distract you, to think that you must wallow in your sins and weaknesses all through your life and that after you have finished wallowing, He reminds you that God could never accept you as a weak sinner such as you are because you stink from all the wallowing. See, he tricks you both ways. Go ahead and wallow. God loves you anyway. Oh, you wallow, you stink. He can never accept you. He'll get you if you stray too far that way. He'll get you if you stray too far this way. But that's because you're focused on yourself. But if you focus on the resurrected Christ standing before the Heavenly Father saying about you, I know them. 
I have bought them with my blood. They are mine. And he that is in them is stronger than he that is in the world. So that's my beef with the Easter Bunny, which I booted out into Mary Ellen's hands. He may be cute, but he is deadly if he distorts and obscures the truth and the power of the resurrection. So we should proclaim Easter for what it really is. Confirmation of the good news of a God who loves us. Confirmation that Jesus was and is who he said he was and is. That the grave could not hold him. That he has risen as he said he would. That when the angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. We should take that as our victory march and go out to serve a risen Savior in his name through his power to glorify the world with his message. So I would say stop looking among worn out dead things for life. Quit looking for earthly solution to heavenly problems. Christ lives to make intercession for us and to give us life abundantly. So your Easter basket may be full and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm telling you the tomb is empty. And let's not just proclaim the resurrection one day a year. Let's live a resurrected life 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Let's not be a 7th day Adventist, but let's be 7 day Adventists. May we say, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of His resurrection. Because Jesus, my friends, in conclusion, Jesus is a life changer. He's a relationship rearranger. He's a covenant renewer. He's the resurrected Christ and He loves you. And He calls you out of darkness into the light. Thank you.
Easter weekend as a great um, metaphor, maybe that's not the right expression, for the Christian life. On Friday, you have sorrows, you have darkness, you have confusion, you have tears, you have blood, sweat, and tears. Then you have an incredible emptiness and despair on Sabbath. And then on Sunday, you find that God had all those things in control, and you find resurrection, you find new life, new beginnings, reasons for the tears, an understanding of why God did what he did. If only we could live that way all the time, where we see what God did. And oftentimes we do. We see something happen, and then we go, now I know why. You know, if I hadn't lost that job or that health scare or that led me to this and this led me to that and I'm so glad all that happened because if that hadn't happened, I would still be back here wallowing. But when it's happening, you don't always feel that way. You feel like, why is this happening to me? And that's understandable. I do the same thing. If only we could see things through God's eyes. That's faith, is to trust that God's eyes see better than your eyes. And so to give him that faith and to realize that there is a resurrected Christ and he lives to make intercession for us and that he loves you more than you love yourself, which in some times it's not too hard to understand why because we treat ourselves so poorly. I know some of you might look in the mirror and say you're not worth much, you judge yourself on your looks or you look in your wallet and there's nothing there and you judge yourself by your wallet or you look at your life that somebody left you or somebody said you're a terrible person or whatever it is and you say that's what I am. But I'm telling you, don't look at what people say about you, even though it's important. Look at what God says about you. And God says you are worth everything. You are worth all of heaven. Where Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. At some point in eternity, Christ said, I will go and die for these people who have not even been born, who have not even sinned yet, but I know what they're going to do, and I'm prepared to go and live and die and be resurrected for them. But when he was in the tomb, when he's hanging on the cross, he didn't know that. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't know there was a resurrection. But he put his faith and trust in God during the dark times. So I encourage you to do the same. Today we saw a baptism. We saw somebody rededicate their life to God. I pray that that would be your experience, even though you sat in the pew. That you would either dedicate for the first time or the hundredth time your life to God. Even if you say, I don't know what's going on. God, but from this moment on, I'm willing to give you a chance. I'm going to say the same thing. So I'm looking for some lucky person who will meet me at the door that really can have a good use for this expensive box. And I will give it to you at that door over there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the resurrection. The emptiness of the tomb means fullness of life for us. And Lord, I pray, as I said, even if the Easter basket's full, enjoy the candy, enjoy the peeps, but may the tomb be empty. Lord, bless each man, woman, boy, and girl here that they will live their lives for you as you lived your life for them. May we realize that Jesus said, I go to return to my Father and your Father, as Edith said. Jesus called his Father our Father. We are one family. We are part of the family of God. Bless us with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to fill us, to live for him today and every day. Lord, bless my friends, my family, my church. May they have a great Easter weekend, we pray in Jesus' resurrected name. Amen. 
This has been an encore production of The Past, The Pretend, The Profound, an Easter program given by Pastor Joseph Womack of the Savannah First SDA Church. For more information on the church or to join us for service every Saturday, please visit the church website at www.savannahfirstsda.org. For more information on our radio programs, visit WYAW's website at www.wyawradio.org. WYAW is a listener-supported radio station serving the Pooler Savannah communities. We are WYAW, where you are welcome, 93.5 FM. Thank you for listening, and God bless.
There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the Like a flood comes flowing down at the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of you, I'm in all of you where your love ran red and my sin. 